So thank you also for the church. A couple of people here in the church helped greatly with us getting the tractor too. So you all have been a great help to the ministry there in Papua New Guinea. We've been there for seven years. So we greatly appreciate all the Lord has used you all to do to be a blessing there to the ministry. Did you like that? Some of you caught it because I heard you laugh. Did you like that safety? The ladder in the tractor bucket off the top of the ladder hanging on the window frame screwing the last piece of siding on. Safety is... We would never make it if OSHA was there in Papua New Guinea. (laughs) But if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 19. I just want to share something practical, and then I'll probably take 10 or 15 minutes for questions. If you have any questions about the ministry there. We'll show another video in the morning service that kind of highlights the history and some of those other things. But turn to Psalm chapter 19. Um, Before I read, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing and privilege and joy of being with your people this day. Pray that you would bless your word to our lives. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that we'd be led and guided and directed by your spirit. Lord, thank you for the great things that you're doing in Papua New Guinea. Thank you for how you've used Faith Baptist, Lord, to be such a blessing and help to your work there. Lord, we love you and we trust you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, right, Psalm chapter 19, I'll begin in verse number 1, and I'll read down through verse number 6. Verse number 1 through 6 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night shows knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom, comes out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. There's nothing hid from the heat thereof. As you look at Psalm chapter 19, I guess I would say the theme is there's a God and we're accountable to him. There's a God, there's a creator God, and we are accountable to him and our lives The simple application is that we need to walk with God. The life that God has given to us, the breath He has given to us, the health He has given to us, we need to walk with God and live for God with the life that He's given to us. As you look at verses 1 through 6, it's very clear that there is a God in heaven. There is a Creator, God. The country which we live in, in Papua New Guinea, is very lush jungle, much of the flora and fauna found in Papua New Guinea is found nowhere else in the world. Many of the birds of paradise are only found in Papua New Guinea. A beautiful country, very rugged. There's 800 different languages, and each of those tribes are separated from the other tribes due to the mountains, due to the rivers, just the rugged environment. But as you look in verse number one, it says, "...the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament shows His handiwork." You know, as we look at the creation of Papua New Guinea, it declares the glory of God. Many of the people, they believe in spirits. They believe, they worship, they serve. They don't necessarily say that it's Satan, but it's witchcraft, sorcery. But they do, you don't have to tell them that there's a creator God. They know, they believe that there is some kind of supernatural being. They don't have any problem believing that. Creation testifies to them. But how to love God, how to serve God, how to have a personal relationship with Him, they have no idea because they don't know Christ. They don't know God's plan of salvation. 
Here in America, we just went through a beautiful fall season. The Lord has given us a beautiful autumn. When you see the glory of, when you see creation, do you give God the honor and glory? Do you recognize the creator God and give him the glory for the creation that he has created? It wasn't that long ago in Papua New Guinea. I guess it's been about two months ago now. We had an earthquake there. It was between, some people say it was a 7.5, some people say it was a 7.7. That is a really bad earthquake. It hit on a Sunday morning. We were there at church on Sunday morning. Some of the people were running around saying the ground's going to open up and swallow us. I don't know if they had unconfessed sin in their life or what that meant. But that was a really big earthquake. And if, if you look it up on the internet, whether this is true or not, they say we've had about 300 earthquakes in the last year. So that's almost one earthquake a day. Now, that does, a lot of those were small. Not very many have reached that magnitude. But who controls creation? God does. It's the creator and God. Verse number one, the glory of God, the creator God. God that created the universe in six days. He is the one that controls everything. Look with me now at verse number seven. The first thing we saw is there is a God in heaven, verses one through six. Verse number seven, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Verse number one talked about God, the creator God. You look in verse number seven, it says, Lord, Jehovah, God's covenant name. Jehovah, the name God uses to make a covenant, a promise with his people. Began with the creator God, now it's God's covenant name. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I'd like us to see that God has given us his word. God's word has a power to change lives. A lot of what you saw in that video, the outreaches and all those things has happened recently. We've been there for seven years, but the last couple years, the Lord has really blessed. The Lord has opened many doors. Many of the people are starting to get saved and make decisions to follow Christ and to be faithful to him. There is one young man, um, he would have been in the video when we were um, there in the mission house when we were eating lunch together. He would have been there in that video, but you wouldn't have necessarily known who he was. Um, His name is Hercules. So you can imagine with a name like Hercules, he can do anything. No, I honestly don't know how he got that name Hercules. Um, He said, he told me, I asked him one day, how did you get the name Hercules? He said, I chose it myself. I I don't know what that means, but he was, he was a... A lost young man, probably 17, 18 years of age. I don't even think he knows when he was born. But lost young man, his house was right next to the church property. So his father and the fellow that lived on the other side of the church property historically fought over the land. But Hercules is a young man. And when we started to build the church, he was there every day helping us build the church. He never held a power tool in his life. Was really good with a machete, really good with an axe, but had no idea for construction building. But had a real aptitude. The Lord really blessed him. Helped with the church building. Then after that, helped us build the mission house. And I'd ask Hercules, say, do you know Christ as your Savior? If you died, would you go to heaven? Are you, do you know Christ? He'd say, no, I'm not saved. He wasn't, he wasn't hiding it. Very clear. He'd say, no, I'm not saved. I'd ask him, when are you going to get saved? He'd say, soon I'm going to get saved. Maybe in a few months. Maybe later on. Because you have to understand, for them to get saved, they're saying no to the witchcraft and the sorcery. So they literally trust the witchcraft, the sorcery is going to protect them. They think that they've done a better job and their witchcraft is stronger than the next guy, so that'll protect them. Hercules had many stories. He said someone did witchcraft on him and his leg, 
he basically became paralyzed. That was before I knew him. But for a number of months, he couldn't walk. And he got healing from that. I don't think he gave the Lord the honor and glory for how he got healing from that. So you can see how they trust in their witchcraft and sorcery for everything. So for him to get saved, he's no longer trusting the devil to protect him. He's now going to trust God. He's going to trust God with the eternal destiny of his soul. So I'd ask Hercules, he'd say, soon. We had the church opening. We had three days of special meetings. And guess who got saved? Hercules. Hercules got saved. He gave his life to the Lord. And a life transformed by the power of the gospel. We had the privilege, uh, I had the privilege of baptizing him right before we came back. So he and five other people got baptized. But you see in verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. God's word changes our lives. God's word transforms us. As you read God's word, as you study God's word, as you have your personal devotions, as you read God's word, that's God speaking to you. As you pray, that's you speaking to God. And God's word changes our lives. God's word refines us. In the end of verse 7, it says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The Lord's word is what gives us wisdom. Wisdom can be defined as the ability to apply knowledge. We get knowledge as we increase, as we study, as we have education, we get knowledge. But God's word gives us the wisdom to how we can apply that knowledge to our lives, how we can use that rightly. I think I shared before when we were here, but there was a lady in the village, her name was Solo. So she was right, she and her husband were where we first started the church with a Bible study. The first with the senior missionaries there, there, Bill and Lori Smith. They did a mobile clinic there, and we were able to be there. That was when we first got into Papua New Guinea. We asked the village leader, Seiko, if we could start a Bible study. He said yes, and so we began a Bible study. But his wife, Solo, was one of the first people to get saved. And just a person that lives in a grass hut, very simple. Very miserable person, very difficult for people to be around. But when she got saved, her life was changed. Christ lived within her heart. A life transformed by the power of the gospel. But I saw one clear demonstration of that. We had elections in Papua New Guinea here last year. And I know there's a lot of corruption, a lot of deceit in our political system, possibly here in the United States. But if you want to see corruption, see an election there in Papua New Guinea. You have no idea the amount of corruption. And here in the States, people might try to hide it. Papua New Guinea, they don't hide it. They flaunt it. I mean, it's just clear. The people... So what happens is each little village, each little place, many, many people will stand up for that office. I mean, they don't really have any other way to make income or make money. So if you can get a a political office, you can easily get money. It'll just go right to you and your family. It's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be for the roads or the hospital or those things, but it goes right in their pocket. So you might have from one little area, you might have 30, 40, 50 people stand up. So Solo got saved, but it was politics time. And one of the sayings that they'll say in Papua New Guinea, they'll say before the election, there's many Christians. After the election, there's many Christians. But during the election, there's no Christians (laughs) because of all the corruption and all the bribes and all those things. And early, early Sunday morning, I go to preach at Kapogu. We leave about 5 o'clock in the morning. So I preached at Kapogu. We were coming back, and I just went up to where Seiko and Solo's house was just to stop in and say hi. I had no idea there was a political campaign going on right there at their house that Sunday morning. Not a clue. 
But I think the Lord providentially allowed me to show up at that time. And so there's Solo, a Christian. She's been a Christian for a number of years. God's word, it says in verse number seven, making wise the simple. You know, she, she was there and she came, her husband was putting incredible pressure on her not to. You need to be here. You need to be involved in the campaign today. You need to support it. And we happened to show up and she said, there, she said, there's no way I'm staying here for this. She said, I'm going to church this morning. And sure enough, she was there at church. But what changed her life? God's word, the Bible. God's word gave her the wisdom and ability to see. She might, if she stayed there, she might have, I have no idea, she might have got $30, $40, $50. Doesn't sound like a lot of money, but for them, it's a huge amount of money. But instead of choosing that, she chose what? The Lord in her life. She put God first. Said no and took a strong stand for God and for his word. So we see in verses 1 through 6, there is a creator God in heaven. Look with me at verse 11. It says, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them is their great reward. And obeying God's word is great reward, great joy, and great peace. You know, there is many people during the election time, they chose the path of bribery. They chose the path of trying to get their official to win by all kinds of different bribery, different things. Do you think that truly brought them joy or peace? Absolutely not. But for Solo, as she served God, as she made the right decision to follow God, she had such joy and peace in her life. As you serve God in your life, we, every day, we have to make conscious decisions to obey God and to obey his word. It's not a decision we make once a year. It's a decision each and every day. But as you obey God's word, that will bring to your life peace and joy. Look with me in verse number 12. It says, who can understand his heirs? Cleanse me from secret faults. Verse number 13, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. We need God in our lives to purify us. We need God in our lives to refine us. When we get saved, we ask the Lord Jesus Christ into our heart. He comes, he lives within our heart, but then we begin to walk with God. Remember I said the application of this psalm is we need to walk with God. God begins to work in our hearts and in our lives. He begins to change us. He begins to refine us. Sometimes you'll hear people talk, they've gotten saved, they're beginning to walk with God, but then they'll say, I, don't, I can't believe I'm struggling with this sin in my life. As you get closer to the light, you might see more dirt. As you get saved and as you walk with God longer, you get closer to God, closer to his word. God's word is a light unto our paths. As you walk with God, God will be things in your life before you never saw them, before they never bothered you. But as you walk with God, you begin to see things in your life that aren't right because God says they're not right. And God, through his word, is doing what? He's refining you. He's sanctifying you. He's purifying you. He's working in your life. God is continuing to teach me things. God is continuing to teach Leandra things. In our Christian lives, we're growing. God is working in our Christian hearts and in our lives. Is God working in your life? Is God teaching you things through your word? Are you growing in your Christian life? Even the Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians that he, was not, he had not arrived yet. He had not come to the mark yet. He was still 
growing in his Christian life. Each and every one of us should be growing in our Christian lives. For the people of Papua New Guinea, they've given their lives to Satan, to witchcraft, to sorcery. As I mentioned, it's a huge deal for them when they get saved. As they get saved, as they make a decision to follow God. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. For the people of Papua New Guinea, before they get saved, they, what they're doing they think is right. It makes sense to them. For generations, they've served the spirits. Their forefathers served the spirits. They're serving the spirits. There's generational spirits, ancestral spirits for them. It makes sense to them. That's what they know. That's what is right. But does that make it truly right? No. God's word is the standard. God's word is what we follow. God's word is what we obey. In our lives, there might be certain things that we think is right. But as we come to God's word, God's word corrects us. God's word instructs us. God's word teaches us. God's word shows us what is right. In verse number 13, it says presumptuous sins. Okay, presumptuous sins are sins that we know they're wrong, but we still decide to do what? To do them anyway. Okay, maybe that never happens to you, but sometimes in my life, I've known something is wrong, and what have I done? I've chose to sin anyway. That's called a presumptuous sin. Have you ever gotten angry and you knew something was wrong to do, but you did it anyway? That's a presumptuous sin. For the people of Papua New Guinea, they struggle with many things in their life. If you had the privilege to grow up in a Christian family or Christian home or grow up in a church, that's a great privilege. That's a great blessing from God. Never take that for granted. You think I mentioned the young man Hercules. Growing up in a situation like that, his mother and father got divorced. His, mo- his father married another wife. Very, very difficult situation. His father lives down the road on one side. His mother lives down on the road on another side. But he lives in his own grass hut. Very difficult situation. Can you imagine trying to make a decision to live for God in that kind of an environment? But God, through his word, through his mercy, he's changing Hercules, refining his lives. First thing we saw, there is a creator God in heaven. Second thing, God has given us his word. God's word has the power to change lives. The third thing we see is we need God to purify us. We need God to refine us. If there's something in your life you know you're doing and it's sin, what are you doing about it? You need God to refine you. You need God to change you. And you need to make the decision to do the right thing. I remember when we were building the church there, drugs, alcohol, those kind of things are just commonplace. They'll be growing drugs right in front of their house. I mean, it's just free. It just grows there. The tobacco grows there. They just grow it in front of their house. They have one kind of nut. It's called a beetle nut. Okay? They chew it. It's just a slight narcotic effect. It's not a very strong drug, but they'll all do it. It makes their teeth red. The first time I was in Papua New Guinea... They, they chew it, they spit it, and the, it was red all over the streets. I thought it was a massacre. It wasn't. It was just their beetle nut. But as we, as we were building the church, you know, when they wake up in the morning, they chew it. The morning, the afternoon, or lunchtime, they chew it constantly, nonstop. But, you know, it just doesn't really look real good building the church while you're chewing your beetle nut. So, you know what I did for our drug rehabilitation program? Bought bubble gum. They chewed more bubble gum than you can ever imagine. 
But it's amazing. As you see God's word, teach, taught, I never had to tell them it was wrong to chew the betel nut. They themselves decided it was wrong. But through what? Through God's word. It's God's word that changes us. It's God's word that transforms us. Look with me lastly here at verse number 14. Verse number 14. It says, Let the words of my mouth and of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This verse comes often to my heart and mind and my thoughts as I serve God in Papua New Guinea. Last thing I want us to see is our words and our thoughts must please God. For Leandra and I, we're in full-time Christian service. We've given our lives to serve God there in Papua New Guinea. And we can be very, very busy in the ministry. There's not, not much free time, not much time to catch our breath. Every, every moment we're serving the Lord in ministry there. As you could see, even in the pictures, we have people constantly at our house, constantly at our door there with the Bible College. It's never planned, but things just constantly break down there. If it's something with the generator or something with the water or anything, and you can't plan for those things. So we're very, very busy. But do you think God's more concerned that we're busy in ministry or that our hearts are right with him? God's more concerned that we walk with him, that each and every day, each and every moment, we're walking with him. It's very easy in our Christian lives to do the right thing, but our hearts are not with God. Psalm chapter 14 says, The words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts. God is concerned not just with what we do, but what we say. Sometimes as Christians, we can be doing the right things, but the things we're saying are not pleasing to God or honoring to God. If you think about it, oftentimes the things we say with our mouth, oftentimes the people that are closest to us, we hurt very frequently with our mouth. Sometimes you might say something that's unkind or not nice. You might say it to your spouse, to your child, to a family member. And you might not think twice about it. But did it honor God? Did it please God? Sometimes the people we're closest to are least careful with our words. But we need to be careful with the words of our mouth. God is concerned with what we say each and every moment of the day. Book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 13. And verse number 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Our words are very important the things we say our words can bring honor to god or they can bring dishonor to god god can do something great in our lives and we can either give god the honor and glory for it or with our mouth we can give something else the honor and glory for it remember there is a man that we have tried to reach many times through outreach different things he was very, very ill. He'd gone to the doctor many times. Doctors couldn't help him. We have very limited medical care there in Papua New Guinea. Something that's an easily treated ailment here in the U.S. For Papua New Guinea, it's a life-threatening emergency and oftentimes means death. And so I don't know what is. I'm not a doctor. I don't have a clue with medicine. I don't know what his physical ailment was. But my guess is it was probably very treatable. But very 
crippled, just could hardly walk. We meet with him. He was hearing God's word. <clears throat> we were preaching, teaching. We got praying for him, and God helped him. He got to the point where he could walk. He could go to his garden. I mean, it was obviously the Lord that healed him. He came to me one day, and he said, Brother Tim, he said, I believe in water. I said, you believe in water? I said, what does that mean? And he said, no. He said, I believe water has healed me. And I, I really wanted to say some things to him at that moment. I said, it wasn't water that healed you. It was God that healed you. No, no, no. He said, I believe in water now. He said, and it has to do with the sorcery, the witchcraft. Someone did some special thing on the water, and he drank the water, and now he thinks water healed him. Water didn't heal him. God healed him. But was he giving honor and glory to God with the words of his mouth? No, absolutely not. God did something great for him in his life, and he didn't return the honor and the glory to God. And this water he drank, it was, it was a long time after he was already healed. had absolutely nothing to do with it. But Satan blinded his heart and his mind. Instead of God getting the honor and glory, he gave Satan the honor and glory. But even in our lives, you know in your life what God has done for you. I know in my life what God has done for me. If God has done something great for you. God has done a great work in your heart and life. You need to give God the honor and glory. Use the words of your mouth to give God the honor and glory. The things in our life, if God uses you to be able to see something done for his honor and glory, if God uses me, it's not us, it's not you, it's God. Psalm chapter 127, Psalm 127 and verse number 1. A well-known verse, but Psalm 127 and verse number 1 says, Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. If something is done, if something is accomplished, it's not us and our strength. It's God in his strength. It's God getting it done. We need to give the Lord all honor and glory. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of mine heart. What others hear are the words of our mouth. Others don't see the meditations of our heart. You don't know what I'm thinking in my heart this morning. I don't know what you're thinking in your heart this morning. But God knows. God sees the meditations of our heart. Our words are what others hear. The meditations of our heart is what God sees. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 7, a, well, a well-known verse, but Samuel has come. He has come to anoint David to be king to replace Saul. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Bible says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. For us in our Christian lives, God is concerned about our heart. What is the meditation of our heart? What we're thinking in our heart. You know, David, all his other brothers went first. They thought Eliab or one of the other ones would be chosen. They were all stronger, looked better, more qualified. David was just a youth. But God chose David because of his heart. God is concerned about what is in our heart, what we think, what no one else sees, God sees. Remember I said, we could say the theme is there is a God and we are accountable to it. The application is we need to walk with God. Walk with God each and every day. Walk with God each and every moment. 
As I think back on the Bible college there in Papua New Guinea, you'll see a little bit about it in the video in the morning service, but we just went through our accreditation process. So any of you involved in anything like that before, you know accreditation is a monstrous amount of paperwork. Just unbelievable. And for I grew up here local Lancaster County, so for a country boy doing all that accreditation work, that was a great hardship. Certainly not my gift or my cup of tea, so to speak, but the Lord enabled and many, many, many hours when we had our COVID quarantine, trying to get back in the country, those kind of things. It was a wonderful time for two weeks just to do paperwork. I hated it, but it was a great time to do it. And as we were, as I was working on the accreditation paperwork, laboring away on that, was God more concerned that I got the paperwork done or I did it with a good attitude? God was more concerned that I did it with a good attitude, with the right heart. God's concerned with the meditations of our heart. Sometimes God calls us to do things we might not choose to do or we might not want to do or we might not want to go through. But as we go through it, as we do it, God enables us. God is with us and God is faithful. God, through his word, refines us. God, through his word, helps us. As we go through those kind of times are opportunities to trust God. Typically, we want God to remove our hardship or our trial from us in our lives. We don't want to go through a hardship. We don't want to go through a trial. Our, oftentimes, we'll pray that God will remove those things from us. But oftentimes, God doesn't choose to remove those circumstances from us. In the midst of those circumstances, He chooses to strengthen us. He chooses to be with us. God chooses to sustain us. God is always faithful and will see us through the challenges. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. When I was in Bible college, the dean of the young men, he always said this verse. I, if, if he shared it one time with us, he shared it a hundred times with us. But Proverbs chapter 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of of life. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to have that sweet fellowship with God each and every day, you need to keep your heart right. Oftentimes, our heart, we don't keep our heart right. And if we don't keep our heart right, we can't walk with God as we should each and every day. Because the Christian life is one of fellowship. It's one of communion with God. As we walk with God, we read his word. As we pray, we speak to God. It's that fellowship, that relationship with God. And that's what God wants with each and every one of us. He wants to have that fellowship. He wants to have that relationship. God won't remove the from our lives. God wants our hearts. You remember the story of Job? God didn't say and tell Job that he wouldn't let Job go through all those trials. But as Job went through the trials, God was with him. And God sustained Job. So just by way of review here, and then I'll ask for some questions if you have any questions about the work there in Papua New Guinea. Verses 1 through 6, there is a creator, God. There is a God in heaven, and we are accountable to him. Verses 7 through 11, God has given us his word. God has given us his word not just to put on the shelf or not to just sit there, but to let his word change our lives and transform us. Verses 12 through 13, <clears throat> we need God to purify us. We need God to refine us. And verse number 14, our words and our thoughts must please God. 
God wants us to give our hearts to Him and to walk with Him each and every day. Let me close in a word of prayer, and then if you have some questions about the work there in Papua New Guinea, I'll take those questions at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Psalm chapter 19. Lord, you've used it in my life many, many times. And I thank you for your continued working in my life. I thank you for your continued leading. I thank you for your continued refining. I pray that it would be a blessing and encouragement to each one of us here this morning. I pray that, Lord, each one of us in our Christian life, for those of us that know you, that we would walk with you. We would have that sweet communion, that sweet fellowship with you each and every day. Pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as our personal Lord and Savior, that they may be able to understand the simple plan of salvation and trust you as their Savior. Thank you, Lord, for Faith Baptist. Thank you for Pastor Burgraff. Thank you for their partnership in the gospel. We love you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Any questions about the work there in Papua New Guinea, the church planning, or maybe the Bible college or the Bible clubs? Any questions about the work there in Papua New Guinea? Yes. Right. Very good question. So oftentimes I'm out super early in the morning and super late at night. So are not really in danger from, um, say, the witchcraft and sorcery. Obviously, we're protected by God. But there's a lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs. So someone in their right mind is absolutely no threat to us. But under the influence of drugs and alcohol, I had, I had someone come over and visit us. And we were driving to one of the Bible clubs. The timing of it couldn't have been better. It was perfect. He asked me about the wire on the vehicle. He was kind of making a comment. He said, is this really necessary or is this really needed? Right as he asked that, somebody shouted and jumped out right towards his window like they were going to jump in the car. I think he almost had a heart attack. But anyway, it's not... The people that know us, absolutely no threat. But a lot of the alcohol, drugs, all those kind of things, and not currently, but we've been involved in a lot of the peace mediation, those kind of things before... So, yes, it's, it has been a help. It's protected us at different times. I think I saw a hand right here. Since there's such a diversity of languages for so many, how do you handle that? Yes. So most all the people there know the trade language, which is talk pigeon. So that's what we do most of our work in. It's very easy to learn. So it has some Spanish, German, a lot of English. Um, you could probably even pick up on it. So, like, for example, Gadi got one plate Pekingese So, so, Gadi, like, and two must all get their man married, belong this low ground. All sin, the emmy get in this low, one plate Pekingese long all. I mean, make him all sin long, all get their man married, belief long him, only no can lose, no God, but all he can in life, he stop good all time, all time. So, that would be John 3.16. So, you can, you can pick out some of the, some of the parts of it. Um, we are working in some of the tribal languages, learning that, so I'm definitely not fluent. I know, at the Bible school, we probably have 20 or 30 different languages represented. So I can greet a lot of them in their languages. Um, but that's about as far as our understanding of the languages go. And the, gov- the language for government is actually English. So the Bible clubs we're allowed to do in English. We're actually supposed to do it in English, but usually we don't because we get a lot of blank looks and blank stares. But any other questions? Yes, sir. Yes. 
Yes, so we had mentioned before we were developing with Bible visuals, a curriculum for the schools. So we are using that in all the Bible clubs we're involved in. The focus when we got back became the accreditation paperwork because the government opened the door to us. So we're still working on that. Our hope is after we get the accreditation paperwork through the government, then we'll try to push that through and get that approved by the government. Um, one slight hold up on that has been to the high school. So we have the fourth through eighth grade curriculum is completed, but I don't have the high school curriculum completed yet. Um, so I'm actually, if somebody knows end design, that would be a great help. I got a monstrous amount of work to do for the high school curriculum. So I'd like to, originally I was just going to present the elementary and middle school curriculum as a unit, but I wanted to be able to present once we got the accreditation paperwork, present it all as one curriculum. So that is one need. If anyone knows Adobe InDesign and has time to help with that, um, we could greatly use the help. So we are printing it. We've done a lot of printing, too, for CLE, um, for teacher's guides and those kind of things, Christian school over there. Yeah, yes, sir. So there's a senior missionary family, Bill and Lori Smith. He's been a great source of counsel and advice, great help to us. Um, so they do all the medical missions there. He helps a lot with the Bible school, those different things. So they're there. There's another family, Phil and Jan. He helps a lot with the computers. And we, he just built a computer lab for the Bible school. So he's a great help in that. They help with one of the Bible clubs in the high school. There's another missionary family, um, Brian and Phyllis Hovey. And he helps with some of the maintenance and building those, those different things. And we just got a missionary family from the Philippines, um, Pastor Jalen and Angie. So he's helping teach in the Bible school. And he's also an electrical uh, engineer. So he's been a great help with some of our electrical issues and those kind of things. Yes. Right. So to give you how many are unreached, I would be really, I don't know, Leandra, if you could. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't have that. But like, for example, like the area right about probably 20 minute or 30 minute walk from where we're at, that area would, they would say is definitely reached and evangelized. They just literally burnt two people alive over witchcraft sorcery accusations. So yeah, it's all kind of relative. I mean, depends how you define the word Christian and those kind of things. So a lot, a lot of it's probably, a lot of it is not reached, which would be classified as, you know, if you went on Joshua Project or something, would say it's reached. But as far as the local people reaching their own people, yes, God has done a marvelous thing. So because of the Bible school, we have 400 graduates out across the country. I believe there's been 100 churches started by our graduates from the Bible school. So it's, it's the local people are doing a marvelous work. The area where we're doing the church plant there in Bena has been a particularly difficult area for the sorcery and witchcraft. So that area, they said they've, you know, the gospel has been taught for many years. There's many different, um, the Lutheran church has a number of churches they've tried to start there. Um, Seventh-day Adventists have started a number of churches. 
But the people have not let go of the witchcraft and sorcery. They've just added, you know, the Bible to all that, and they haven't changed at all. Um, so, but slowly, by the power of the gospel, by God's word, we're seeing, we're seeing a true transformation and change. So, very good question. Yes, so one, yes, thank you. Leandra always helps me out. Um, so one, one example of that, too, would be where we started the church plant at Quesasaro, where I shared last time we were back, Kapugu, the village that was split by fighting. Many of the boys now from the church at Quesasaro are going with me Sunday morning to share the gospel with the villagers at Kapugu. So it's just marvelous. I mean, we're waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's still dark there. And, you know, these boys range anywhere from the ages of, you know, 10 to 18, and they're going with me to reach the other people. And just amazing. Um, just to see the Lord working in their lives. What's the, uh, the makeup for the Bible school? Brick, um, uh, number of students there and how long a time? Right. Yes, sir. So we've made a lot of changes in the last few years with the Bible school. And so it used to be we used to have, it was more kind of on a Bible institute, kind of three semesters. They would take certain classes for certain weeks, those kind of things. And they would be able to graduate either with a certificate or a diploma. But we've changed it now. It's a full four-year degree. They can graduate with a bachelor's degree in four years. They can either get that in theology or they can get that in Christian education as a Christian school teacher. Um, so we've added a lot of classes. We've done a, made a lot of changes. Greatly increased our workload teaching the classes and all those things as well. Um, <clears throat> we teach classes in Talk Pigeon and English. Um, so we teach classes in both English and Talk Pigeon. How many students do you have? We have 50 students um, all, all over the country. So most of them come from like a grass hut, those kind of things. But we do have some people that are come from the capital that are fairly educated. And then we also have some people that come from... So some people travel quite a distance to 